0: to make it a comfortable 27-point margin at three-quarter time. Sinclair, with that shot, nurses it, venezzes it. 27-point, Sydney
1: leads. Sinclair having a cracker.
0: Hello and welcome to True Bloods. Now, it's my absolute pleasure to welcome a very special guest into the Podular Media studio, for a True Bloods exclusive, one of the absolute superstars of the Bloods, the most recent winner of the Dennis Carroll Most Improved Player Award at the Sydney Swans, Callum Sinclair. Welcome to True Bloods, mate.
1: It's just awesome to have you in this studio. Thanks so much for being here. How are you? Good, thanks, Tom, mate. Mate, I've, uh, I've been a listener of, uh, of True Bloods, mate, so we've, we've been trying to link up for a while to get on the show. But, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, mate, mate. it's Looking forward to it.
0: Absolutely my pleasure to have you here in the Podular Media studio. And we've known each other... For a long time, went to school together at Caulfield Grammar. And back in those days, I always remember the first time I met you, you always had your sights set on becoming an AFL player. When did that first sort of come along for you? Were you a little tacker when you made the decision that, yeah, I want to play AFL footy?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think, mate, you know what it's like growing up in Melbourne. Like It's uh, it's religion here. And um, well, I guess the, the excitement around potentially doing that one day probably started from... Um, you know, I grew up in a household, like similar to yourself, mate, that absolutely loved footy. I had a dad that played, um, had a VFL, or AFL, well, back then it now it was VFL, VFL career career for Fitzroy and, and St Kilda. And then I also had some uh, old, two older brothers that were quite talented as well. So, look, I guess it all just started out by, you know, trying to impress your old man and impress your, old, your, your older brothers, really, and just kind of copy what they do. So, And, um, and you know what, what it's like here in Melbourne, mate. It's, it, it's pure religion. And being a footy loving person in a footy loving family, you obviously love watching the
0: game, not just playing the game. As a kid, I remember back at school, you were coming in for footy colours day with your <laughs> with your uh, North Melbourne jumper on, yeah. with, with the eighteen on the back. Um, so yes, so there's the duck, obviously, who was a key yeah. favourite of yours. But who who are who were your other favourite players growing up as a kid?
1: Um, look, I've got an interesting story about the duck, actually. I, I was at year eight camp. I think you might have been there. 8C, year eight camp. i never forget milking the cows. And on, I this is not a lie, mate. I, I still remember we were milking. Do you remember when the dairy, it was about a, yeah. about a couple of kilometre walk from where, from where we used to like sleep and stuff. I still remember world. the day that, that you came in, uh, we would milk, had the, uh, the cow milking area. Yeah. And I still remember the day that you must have gone to the bathroom or something and you overheard on the radio that Wayne Carey had done, um, I left North Melbourne and, Done uh, himself a mischief. Yeah, left <laughs> North Melbourne and, I, and it put me in tears, mate. So, um, I still remember that day, but yeah, obviously the duck was a huge, um, I was a huge fan of his. I've actually got photos of me and him uh, still in my bedroom today. Um, loved watching Jonathan Brown play. Um, who else was there? Um, Nick Riewoldt, particularly in his early days. I still remember that mark when he uh, went back with the flight. Uh, Corey McKernan was a bit. Um, I was a massive fan of Corey, being a North supporter. So um, yeah, probably any of those big key position guys, particularly in the late '90s. You know, seeing those guys kind of play that you know one true full four center four position.
0: Absolute champions, those guys that you mentioned there. And, and what are your, what are some of your first memories of watching footy as a kid? And, and you know, did you go to games regularly? Did you go to the North games and watch at ground
1: level? Yeah, one hundred percent. I think back in the day, you'd, you'd remember when North played a lot of Friday night footy. Um, um, me and my me and my dad would go most weeks to to support the Kangas and uh, seeing Wayne Carey and you know Wayne schwoss and all those guys. I think my, my earliest. Probably childhood memory was probably the 996 grand final. So um, unfortunately for you, mate, you were probably <laughs> supporting the other team. But that was probably the earliest memory I've got of, um, of me and my, my dad and, and my cousin was at, was at the game, yeah.
0: Now, you've always uh, loved taking a clunk and kicking a goal and celebrating a goal for that matter. <laughs> Uh, not everyone will know this. Well, everyone who listens to this program regularly will because I say it just about every week. But mm. you were most certainly a forward first as a youngster and a ruckman second back in those early days. You were very natural in that key forward role. Your brothers, Brett and Andy, both played at a really high level. Brett was a pretty natural forward. Did you do a fair bit of work with them as a youngster
1: to develop your game as a kid? Yeah, I think so. I don't think I was. I, I, I wasn't. Like a, I was naturally quite tall. I don't think I was a. Um... I was never a giant, um, so I think growing up, I always found myself on a half-forward flank or a full-forward or in a forward pocket. So I think, you know, probably having those seven or eight years as a teenager and, and even younger than that, probably you learn your craft a bit more. It's not, it's probably something that you probably take for granted a little bit of having those years to to, to learn your craft up forward. So I think you see how the game's played these days. Those, You've got to be pretty flexible in, in the roles you play, and I'd like to think that... Um, Yeah, that's something that I put down to through my early career is that I got to be able to get a bit of a natural goal sense, you know, and I like to think that I hit the scoreboard pretty consistently. So um, I'd say just I wouldn't say I worked in it very hard. I'd probably just say you know it was naturally just where I played through all my junior teams and my high school teams, and even for when I played at Port Melbourne, I think I was um, I was a centre half forward there. And your brother Brett was
0: probably unlucky to not. Play any AFL footy? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you do any one-on-one work with him as a kid? I he was an experienced forward as a youngster, and you came through a few years below him. Did he yeah. have a few tips to give to you?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I think Brett was, um, yeah, Brett was a pretty. Um Pretty naturally naturally gifted footballer, you know. I think it's probably a bit of a shame that he actually never got a crack at it. But yeah, a very different player to me. He was a little bit smaller, but he's, he's extremely powerful. So um, probably learning from him at the young age. He's he had an incredible work rate. He was very very strong, but he um he had an incredible work rate. So um, I still remember kind of watching his leading patterns as a kid and how he'd um how high he'd run up the ground and how high he'd get back. So um, yeah, I think I, I did a. Probably not as much one on one stuff with him, but I used to I, I used to watch his footy flat out, and I always used to um kind of admire the way he went about it. Junior footy and your first club, Bo Morris. What are some of your uh, fondest memories from down at Shark Park as a <laughs> youngster? <laughs> oh mate, the under 16s grand final, actually. Um, yeah, that's probably probably the highlight of my junior footy career. I think um, I, I played high school football as well, but I think on Sundays I had a, a, a separate group of mates down at Bo Morris and. We ended up taking out the under 16s grand final, and the and the celebrations as a 16 as year olds were, were were quite funny. You know, we all had school the next day, but we um we actually went out uh, that night and um, created a bit of mischief around the streets of Bomariss. Bit
0: of a silly Sunday, mad Monday.
1: Well, you know, I've got, be, I've got to be careful who's listening, but um I don't I don't promote, you know, certain uh, activities as a 16 year old, but um fair to say we had a good time. <laughs>
0: Uh, and then on to school footy, as you mm-hmm. as you touched on, and it was a, it was a strong Caulfield grammar outfit uh, throughout the 7A's, 8A's, 9A's and 10A's. From the outside looking in, I wasn't uh, good enough to be a part of that playing group, but looking in from the sidelines, that core group of kids that came through all the way through there seemed to have their sights set on first 18 footy right from the outset in, in Year 7. Was that the case? I think so. I think we had some...
1: Yeah, funny. I think we just had like we definitely had talented footballers but we had just had kids that loved their footy like you know I think um I could rattle off some names that, that were in the side that probably um you know who knows if they really stuck at um stuck at it you know you, you never know what could happen but I I think we we were just an extremely close bunch of mates and um you talk a lot about you know playing for your mates these days and um there's that kind of, um, I'm trying to think of the word, but there's a kind of bit of. Camaraderie? Camaraderie and nostalgia around that. But I think it was really true during those, um, high school years. I think we're all just extremely close and we just loved playing footy together. And don't get me wrong, we had some, some very, um, some very good talent in there. But I think the fact that we're all quite close and we were all really good mates probably made us a really successful team. And that all culminated in Year 12. when Probably the, uh, culminated with Tilly and kicking 10 goals a game. That might have helped as well. <laughs> he's he's yeah. a pretty handy player, Tilly. I think that helped as well. Um, and, yeah.
0: and you had to share the forward line with him in uh, in Year 12. The, uh, it was a fantastic year for Caulfield 07. The outright premiers in the APS and didn't start that season particularly well. It was a one-point loss to Brighton and mm. uh, the premiership looked a long way away at that point. But... Then the boys got on a roll, you got into the side and, and got yourself into some serious form, and particularly against Geelong Grammar. Uh, I
1: shared the bench, mate. I reckon you to be a bit generous saying I was sharing the forward line with Tilly Yaman. I was, um Maybe not in those first maybe few Maybe you could just explain to listeners who Tilly Yaman is and how extremely talented this guy was. Well,
0: <laughs> Tilly, Tilly Yaman was absolute dynamite. He'd Full forward and you could go from anywhere. You, mm. you could uh, bang him home from the boundary line or, or thump him home from post 50, 50 yeah. metres out and yeah, serious player Tilly yeah. Arman and kicked a lot of goals that year. As yeah. a, a fifty-sixty goal a year for Tilly um, in ten games. In ten games, which ten is ten games of footy. mighty impressive. Yeah. So your start of the season, you probably weren't in top form for the first few rounds, but then towards the back end of the year, you really fired against Scotch, uh, Halebury, and Geelong Grammar, as I mentioned
1: before. Your memory's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, mate, I I'll, I I'll, I'll probably. Um, looking mate you always think you, you should be given a bit more opportunity than you think but um look you know that that's a different story altogether but um look mate I probably sat on the um on the bench for a, for a, for a long time the first half of the year and uh, got dropped um I mean, I know forget getting dropped halfway through the year and took that pretty hard as a um pretty proud you know teenager um, at school so I got didn't cop that too well but found my way back in the side and end up having a a better second half of the year and yeah I think we um and then I think we kind of secured the, the premiership as, um, as a school unit, which was great. And um, But, yeah, I, 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 I think you've been a bit generous, mate, I shared the forward line. I think I probably sat on the bench most of the year. But, no, nah, it was great to be part of it, though.
0: A couple of other guys got into the AFL system out of yeah. that team. Jack Zebel, Taylor Jure. When you cross paths with them on the field, do you ever have a little bit of a chat about school footy back in the day or is it just all pretty straight high? How are you, mate?
1: Nah, a little bit, mate. Um, I think we uh, played, uh, played the Hawks this year and, and we, um, me and Taylor actually had a bit of a laugh about the, uh, the, the memories that were coming back to us through the APS Instagram that, that your kind self started. So, at uh, CGS 07 yeah. APS football premieres. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's it. So, look, yeah. I think when you bump, you actually bump into those guys a bit more, um, more often than people might think. So, yeah, the, the first thing that we're drawn to are our school days, and that's probably the thing that we've got in common. So,
0: Both of your brothers went through at Caulfield couldn't claim the premiership. Do you hold that mantle very close to your heart? Is it a, is it a great honour to uh, be a Caulfield premiership player when your brothers weren't able to get it done?
1: Mate, 100%. Brett played with Chris Judd, um, Andrew McQuilter, and Brett and Goddard, and they couldn't win the premiership. Like, come on, like... You'd think with Chris Judd in your side that you should be able to win the Premiership, but they couldn't win it. So, And we just, you know, we weren't a champion team. Um, no, we're sorry, What, 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 what what's the saying? Uh,
0: not a we're, we're not a team of champions. We're not it? a team
1: of champions, but we were a champion team. So, um, yeah, I definitely hold that high. And I, remember, I had a few arguments with my brother about him saying, oh, you know, we would have smashed you guys. And I said, well, let's be honest, you had the best player of all, one of the best players of all time in your team, two, probably Goddard and... And, um, and Judd and Andrew McQualt was a pretty handy player as well. And you still couldn't get the job done. <laughs> <laughs> Do you agree or disagree? Per, 100% yeah.
0: agree. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. yeah. And CGS 07 team proved that a champion team beats a team of champions. And Chile Yaman. And Tilly Yaman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's another bloke who's pretty stiff to not get not get a Guernsey. Uh, oh, mate, 100%. He was, um, Attitude
1: withstanding the, uh,
0: the the skill level is extraordinary from Till.
1: Oh, it's unbelievable. So I think most teams would kind of um, try and, if, I think if you could control Till Yamen, I you'd probably go a pretty good way to beating our side. But, but yeah, the listeners probably don't know who he is, but yeah. put it this way, he was one of the uh, biggest talents going around. Yeah.
0: Stevie Milne, or uh, I guess you could liken him yeah, to a little yeah, bit. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And then after school footy, 2008 with Caulfield under-19s, and you had a great year for the fields. So I remember a game against Old Brighton at Glen Huntley where you booted nine on a couple of our old mates, Todd Dixon and Angus Betts. Uh, you're, uh, getting I'm a... seeing Betsy tonight. You're seeing <laughs> Betsy tonight? <laughs> <did laughs> I mean, did dinner with him. Yeah. Remind, remind him about that game. Um, you, you were getting a bit of attention from uh, VFL clubs at this point and jumped onto Collingwood's VFL list mm. and then lost the grand final by a point against your old club, by Morris, that would have been heartbreaking, I'd imagine. I commentated that game, and it
1: was one of the yeah. more devastating games I've witnessed. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I, uh, when I finished school, I actually tried out for the the TAC Cup under nineteens team, and um, you know, I kind of lasted the summer there and um, thought I w- w- went quite well, but unfortunately, um, didn't make the squad. So, um, and by that stage, probably you know February March, and had to kind of choose a local club, and I went back to my um, local. Um, school club which is uh old Caulfield and uh, a lot of my mates were playing there and yeah ended up having a having a probably half the season in the seniors and half the 19s and the seniors weren't going that well so I finished in the 19s to to play in a grand final which I look on paper you'd probably think we we're quite confident in winning that game and probably still one of my biggest memories is that you know I had all probably you know 22 of my closest schoolmates all playing together and yeah it's still you know we still talk about today losing that game so it was very um very, very disappointed that we lost that game. But
0: following that, you followed in your yeah. father Alan's footsteps and went down to the borough at Port Melbourne. Of course, you mentioned before we played for St Kilda and Fitzroy, also a mm-hmm. former Port Melbourne player. And first year, 2010, you were centre-half forward in the VFL Team of the Year. A great start to your career
1: at Port Thanks, Melbourne. Mate. Yeah, it was good. We um, I think coming off the year before, I was at Collingwood VFL and, and unfortunately didn't, didn't play a game because I, I, I broke my foot and missed probably that entire season and pretty devastating, so I thought, you know, to get an opportunity I needed to um to go to a club that I was gonna consistently play every week and, and um Gary Ears at Port Melbourne kindly gave me um gave me a contract to come and play for for the borough and um yeah, look we had a had a really, really good season. It was a big learning season for myself, you know, playing senior footy, playing twenty two games of senior VfL footy against, you know, some pretty quality opposition. And, um, look, some weeks I'd, I'd, I'd surprise and, and play quite well, and other weeks I'd probably get beaten, you know, by, by a pretty good um, you know, AFL centre-half back. And, yeah, um, I was pretty rapt to, to kindly get um, recognised as the uh, centre-forward team of the year. And then the following year, towards the end of the final series, you had a knee issue,
0: you got yourself right, and then you were cleared available to play for the grand final. Your non-selection in that game must have been a bit of a bitter pill to swallow at that point.
1: Yeah, it's a bit tough, mate. I think, you know, probably being a bit naive, you know, coming off uh, the season before, you know, obviously did the national camp and unfortunately missed out on on selection at AFL level. And going back to the borough that year, I I I went in with the knee injury and kind of particularly probably in the first half of the year didn't probably play the footy that warranted a spot on the side and then eventually got right and then... um, found I was playing some pretty good footy towards the back end of that year, but um, the the team was going too strong, mate. That, that that The club was undefeated, and I think going into a grand final at Etihad Stadium, um, yeah, it was definitely difficult not to be selected for that game. Um, you know, i probably never trained harder that week to try and put my hand up, but look, unfortunately, it wasn't to be, mate. Um, yeah, pretty tough missing out on a game like that, but um, the boys absolutely dominated, and yeah...
0: And then following that was the big decision to uh, move the whole life uh, from Melbourne. Being a Melbourne boy, growing up in Melbourne, everyone you know is in Melbourne. It must have been a huge call in your head to pack up everything, move over to Western Australia, and try and give yourself a chance to get drafted through the waffle.
1: Yeah, I think so, mate. Like I, that, after that second year at Port, I had to do another. Went got invited to do another national draft. So you know, I was kind of thinking, oh, you, n- you never know, someone might give me an opportunity but you know i don't like i said before i don't think my form warranted that and then missing out on that made me kind of reflect on you know i've only got a short window to try and be able to recognize and get opportunity on an afl list so i have had some interest from west coast and frio and um and i have had a lot of interest over the last couple of last those couple of years through waffle clubs and um so I just bit the bullet and flew over there with my old man and spoke to a few of the waffle clubs over there and see what kind of opportunities they could give me. And um, you know, I think anyone that knows waffle football is that it's big grounds. You're probably playing in you know 25 degree weather every single Saturday. So you got really no excuse not to play well. And um, a couple of these clubs needed a ruckman and a centre forward. And my thinking was to um, to get an opportunity. That I've got to um, play the position that I want to play, and um, and showcase, you know, week in week out, that I'm worthy of of AFL selection. Um, that's kind of basically how I looked at it, mate. And um, yeah, it was tough to leave Port Melbourne at the time. I had a lot of close mates, but um, look, I just made the best decision for myself, and thought I'd give it a go.
0: And now you must look at that decision, look back at it with great fondness.
1: Oh, 100 percent. Like it was pretty tough at the time, mate. To be honest, like thinking about it, like moving over to a to a city that I don't know any mates over there. You know, I got no family support, and until you live there, you don't realize how far you are away. And yeah, I owe a lot to the Subiaco Footy Club for for taking me in and and really, um, they were basically a family to me while I was there. You know, I didn't really have much support and was living on my own. And yeah, you feel a bit lonely at times, but um, but yeah, that I'll be forever indebted to that club for giving me opportunity.
0: Subiaco, the, the boys there. Um, that you played with, do you still keep in regular contact with a few of those guys?
1: Yeah, 100%, mate. Those guys are probably, yeah. I think it was a really good balance for me at the time. You know, some guys that take their footy pretty seriously and um, you know train hard and extremely extremely good players, but also had a really good, um, you know, they have to work full time. You know, a lot of tradies and. Guys are in office jobs, and then you know they're coming to training at you know five o'clock at night for three hours, and then have to front up to work the next day. So um, there's a really good balance having those guys as friends, and it actually I, I probably was closer to them when I went into the AFL system. Um, they were probably the people that I lent on the most while living in WA. And you're able to make an impact straight
0: away. Uh, jump into the line first year there, 2012. It was uh, you were selected at centre half forward again in the WA state team. Mm. Um, that would have been a great thrill to play in the state side for WA.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I think I was the only, uh, <laughs> I was the the only non-Western Australian <laughs> coming to represent Western Australia. So I don't really know. They might have changed their policy on that, but um, yeah, mate, it was really good. We had a heard we play. We played South Australia over there, and we got done by a point actually. Uh, I, I I didn't play that well, mate. We were we were playing on a on a tiny ground then. Um, it was wet and muddy and windy, so down in Adelaide, and as you know, mate, for key forwards on a small ground, <laughs> wet, muddy and windy, you're not getting uh, too many opportunities. Uh, your waffle stats read pretty well. 38 games, 51 goals,
0: averaging 16.2 disposals a game, and you felt really comfortable as you, as you touched on the bigger grounds over there. Great conditions for, for key forwards over there, and who were some of the guys at Subiaco who you really enjoyed playing with who used to give you that good delivery into the forward half or, or helped you out coming at ground level?
1: yeah mate we um like I said before waffle footy you've got a you've got a, an abundance amount of space, so uh some guys like chris Freelan I was playing with who who you know racked up probably thirty five touches every week, and you know none of us would lay like a tackle uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah looked look, look the, the ball was coming in there flat out, and like I said, it gave me an amazing opportunity to be recognized so um we had chris Freelan Aiden Parker at center half back played a fair bit of footy with um chris DeLuca, luca um but yeah, Wade Toomey was there at the time also, um, so a lot of uh, a lot of quality footballers running around, and, and they're still running around today actually. Um,
0: so once again, you had to battle a serious knee injury over there, uh, and being away from home, facing a long stint on the sidelines, that must have been a huge challenge. Not just in regards to the physical rehab, but also mentally being so far away uh, for, from your your family and friends here in Melbourne. How difficult was that period for you, and how did you go about rehabilitating your knee after the injury?
1: Mate, it was um, oh mate, it was. It's I mean, it, it actually uh, it was a tough kind of twenty four hours. Actually, oh, I, um, if you got a moment, I'll tell you the story. So we, I um, was dating a girl at the time. Uh, she, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, she broke up with me, and uh, <laughs> it's all right now. She broke up with me. So pretty flat, pretty devastated. Went to bed that night, cried myself to sleep. Woke up the next morning, walk out my door to go to training. Car's been stolen. Jeez. <laughs> car's been stolen ended up getting um, a taxi to training because I did, didn't want to be late to the team meeting and then uh, went out to the training did my knee um, you know that's the roughest 24 did my, hours did my knee and then you know blah blah and went to the x-rays went to the hospital went to go see the surgeon blah blah and then came back to the footy club got my bag packed all my stuff to go home walked out to the car park Oh, I remembered my car's been stolen. <laughs> so, mate, it was pretty tough to be honest. Um, you know, I think, you know, when you go through an injuries and, and, and things like that, it is, it is important to have support around you. And even, even just little things like trying to help you from home from hospital. You know, I remember driving home from hospital on my own after a couple of surgeries and things like that. So, wasn't, um, definitely wasn't easy. Um, but, you know, in saying that, it is part of your job and you're getting paid to do it. So, um, like rehabilitation was, probably the easy bit, mate. You've, at AFL clubs, you've got pretty well-resourced people there, so you kind of just do what you're told. and Yeah, and then obviously a, a, bit, a bit of time goes by and yeah, and you're, you're out playing. So
0: let's talk about getting onto the AFL list. End of 2012, you were selected in the rookie draft by the West Coast Eagles at pick 12. Can you take us back to that day and how you felt when it was announced that you'd been finally picked up by the Eagles and the journey that you'd undertaken to go over to Western Australia, you know, you've finally achieved what you've always wanted and got onto an AFL list.
1: Um, yeah, it's funny, mate. Like I, you know, after kind of you know three years of of a few draft camps and a lot of interviews with AFL clubs, uh, I kind of um, lost hope a little bit and kind of tried to focus my attention on kind of starting my career and, and finishing off my university and things like that. And then in the space of a couple of weeks post season. You know, some interest came. I ended up training with Fremantle for a week in WA. Um, and then from there, I actually got flown to um, to Melbourne to have a, um, a, a discussion with, with Hawthorne um, to be potentially rookie to them. And then I flew back to WA. And then next thing you know, West Coast had given me a call to come in for another chat. And Yeah, and even with all those discussions before the rookie draft, I kind of still didn't get my hopes up. You know, I made that mistake the years before. And then... Yeah, um, on the day, you know, I chose not to, to watch it. I chose to just, you know, go and do daily things, just didn't want to get my hopes up again. And then I was in the supermarket and then um, my phone rang.
0: Down at the Leaderville IGA? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, my phone rang. And then, um, yeah, it was the West Coast. He was saying that they selected me with pick 12 in the in the rookie draft. And, yeah, had a couple of phone calls from, um, from the list manager there and a couple of texts from, from the players that were currently there. And, yeah, they said report for training tomorrow that would have been an incredible feeling yeah it was amazing i actually had a job interview that day to kind of um hard to cancel so yeah mate it was amazing it was kind of it's funny like you you think you know what it feels like when it happens to you but um you know straight away it was kind of like oh god all right well i've wanted this for so long and now i've actually got to go and do it so being selected is actually the um the easy bit and Next, The next day, it was, um, yeah, five 800s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a big pre-season, and yeah. you're on the list, but there's a
0: few blokes standing in your way of making a debut. You're, you're the rookie. You're coming from a long way back yep. when there's a tough... Forward half to get into with Josh Kennedy and Jack Darling holding down the key posts, and then an ominous ruck division with uh, six time All Australian Dean Cox, the one of a kind superstar Nick Natanui, and a bloke who's turned out to be a pretty good player in Scotty Lysett, premiership player now. Uh, mm. Working alongside those guys every day, that would have been a great introduction to footy in your first pre season.
1: Yeah, 100%. Like I went into to the club thinking far out, you know, I've, I've got Dean Cox and, and Nick Natanui at the time were the, the two biggest, probably the two toughest combination you know in the afl l like they'd be pretty hard to come up against and I, I looked at that and thought oh god it's going to be um pretty tough to get a game here and um so you know you have to attack you on a one year rookie deal when you when you're not getting paid much money and um you know you've only probably really it's quite, i kind of treated it like a like a twelve month trial and um so I dedicated um my entire you know twenty four seven to kind to to prove to west coast that you know that I, that I, I could play the level and um yeah, lucky enough, you know, a couple of injuries happened and um, I was playing all right in the waffle at the time and, and was able to make my, my debut that year. But, um, but yeah, particularly over that summer before that debut, I um, it's pretty tough coming up against Nick and, and Dean because you, you're probably thinking, uh, you know, you're miles behind it. But suddenly, you know, the industry's pretty can come around pretty quick and give you an opportunity. And
0: that's what happened next. You didn't have to wait long for that debut once the season started the following year, uh, it came almost instantly. And with that came your first goal, got a nice little feed from uh, Jack Darling against the yep. Hawks. And uh, <laughs> what, what are your memories of that? You've celebrated heartily as well, that, that goal, uh, as you should. What are your memory memories from that first game?
1: Um, oh, mate, I was, I remember uh, sitting in, in one of my line coaches' office and then, um, John Warsfold coming in, knocking on the door, and I kind of had an inkling that I might be a chance that week, because I knew um, you know, Nick was probably suffering from injury, and, and he knocked on the door and told me I was playing my first game, and yeah, look, it hits you pretty hard, and, and I was coming up against Hawthorne, who I think were, uh, were they premiers the year before? Yeah, 2013. Uh, yeah, they were premiers that year. They, they were grand finalists. Grand finalists lost, that lost year. Lost the Swans Yeah, the year sorry, before. they lost yep. the Swans, but um, coming up against a pretty good side, and Um, But there's excitement, but also, you know, I I, kind of felt like, oh, you know, I don't want to, you know, let myself down or the the team or, you know, I still wanted to prove to people that I could, I don't, I'm not just here just because, you know, it's a bit of a, oh, oh, this is great, Callum got an opportunity, I wanted to start my AFL career and, um, yeah, my first memories were I was pretty, pretty panicky and nervous for the game and, unfortunately, I, I was... Close to being part of the club of first kick, first goal, but um, unfortunately, just kind of swung to the left a little bit, and um, yeah. So I, did, I, unfortunately missed that club, being part of that that last year's club. But um, yeah, I think the I ran ran pretty wide to Jack Darling one day, and he was under a bit of pressure and fed me a handball, and um, I think I had to get rid of it in a couple of seconds because Brent Guerra was coming to eye me out, and um, yeah, like I gave that celebration to. It was just kind of like a bit of relief and a bit of an different up, uh, stick it up yeah to a few people. So. <laughs> it's a world <laughs> yeah, celebration, yeah, like. so much, but um, none of the boys got around me because I was too much carrying on, like a pork chop around <laughs> the field. So. <laughs>
0: After that, after that debut, you're in and out of the side for those first couple of years with your selection, probably based on the availability of the other established tools in the side. But many would regard 2015 as a breakout year for you, for the West Coast seniors, 20 Mm. games, including your first final series and your first grand final. Uh, The result didn't go the Eagles way that day. But despite that, you had a great year uh, and being there on the big stage, experiencing grand final week and Mm. the parade and all that, uh, your, your memories of all
1: that. Uh, a bit bittersweet to be honest, like I think the the year went, um, it was an amazing year to be part of, like I think we were playing some incredible football and a lot of, you know, there was some unusual circumstances that happened to the team that year and um, the fact that we got to a to a grand final was, um, yeah, it was pretty incredible, um, just during the pre-season I had actually broke both my hands during that pre-season, so um, yeah, I, it was a funny one it was you look back on that year thinking you know personally it was great to have a breakout year and and kind of you know get some good momentum to create you know an afl path and career for yourself but but at the same time i um uh yeah it's a bit of a tough pill to swallow knowing that you lost the grand final and um particularly when you didn't probably contribute as well much as well and but you know Hawthorne were a pretty incredible lineup to be honest like i don't think many teams would have beaten them that day
0: you know, they had, had a stranglehold of the competition for three years there, so... Yeah. Um, and at West Coast, I'm sure you've still got a few great mates over there that you still chat to a bit. Have you spoken to any of those guys since their grand final win?
1: Yeah, I have. Um, just, uh, look, sitting back and, you know, definitely difficult to watch the grand final because it brings back a lot of memories from when you played, um, played those days. And, you know, I, I looked at that win by them with, you know, pure jealousy, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, you know, kept in touch with a few of the boys. I had a handful of guys I was close with, close with and sent out a text to them just basically saying, you know, I thought, um, just an amazing effort. Um, particularly I'm really proud of someone like Mark Hutchings that's done things pretty, um, done things the tough way. Um, you know, coming off, I think he was at St Kilda, um, in his early days, had to come back to the waffle for three or four years and then got another opportunity to play for the Eagles. And fair to say, probably in and out of the side over a few years and to come in on grand final day and do that rollie did on steel side bottom, I think was pretty impressive. So kind of guys like him and, and Luke Shuey that have been around for a while, Josh Kennedy and Mark LaCrae, I was really proud of those guys to be able to get a medal. All
0: right, Cal, I reckon uh, we'll take a quick break on True Bloods, and after this, we'll have a bit of a chat about the move back to the East Coast and joining the mighty Swannies. What do you reckon?
1: <laughs> I'm pretty keen about that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> this is True Bloods.
0: Yeah, <laughs> You're listening to True Bloods, the number one independent Sydney Swans fan podcast. Welcome back to True Bloods. I'm sitting with Sydney Swans' Ruckman Callum Sinclair. And, Cal, we've just talked about your whole journey leading up to arriving at the Sydney Swans. After you finished it, West Coast in the 2015 Grand Finals, a great year there. And then out of nowhere, straight after the Grand Final, you had to pick up everything and move again after hearing that you were going to be traded to the Sydney Swans for Lewis Jetta. Having already done it once, moving your life across the country, were you a little bit peeved having to do it again? Or was it more a feeling of excitement to get to the Swans and get to know everyone up in Sydney?
1: Probably a mixture of both, mate. I think um, think the the, the difficult bit was probably having to make that decision and... um, and make that transition after a kind of a grand final loss, and particularly came back to Perth when it's a pretty football heavy town. Um, kind of publicly making that decision, I, I found to be to be really really difficult. But um, at the same time, I was excited about the opportunity to kind of that Sydney were going to offer me um, to come to come back to the east side of Australia, a bit closer to family, um, and you know pretty excited to come to a club like Sydney that which, which are renowned for having a great culture and there's some quality players there, some really good people around the place.
0: Uh, Swans, again, like the Eagles, had a few established tools, both forward and in the ruck, so again, you had to fight for your spot nearly days at the Swans, but you um, start against the against the Blues at had kick three mm-hmm. uh, to get things started and, and then progress from there, played a bit in the ruck, played a bit forward yeah. and had a solid year up until the point where you came down with injury once again.
1: Yeah, look, I um, I probably came into the to the season, um, yeah, probably a little bit under un, under an injury cloud, um, unfortunately, and then um, you know I'll, I was pretty keen to, you know, when you go to a new club, you want to earn the respect and, and probably impress your your teammates, coaches, and and the club itself. So, look, I I I, um, I thought I played some okay footy. I probably wasn't playing at the level that I knew I could. Um, and then had a handful of injuries that year before I kind of broke down probably towards the back end of the year and unfortunately went in for surgery. Um, and then, look, I, I tried to get back and the team was going so well. It's quite similar to Port Melbourne. The team was going so well that um, I tried to get back and put my hand up because I was going into a, to a pretty impressive final series. But um, unfortunately, the team was going too well. And to be honest, I was probably physically probably not ready to to go back into um to play a match but um but yeah
0: and watching on in that 2016 grand final after what had happened in 2015 the year before must have been devastating to be sitting there for the club that you're playing for second lost grand final in a row
1: yeah it was difficult mate to be honest um you know like i said you know you when you lose a grand final the only thing you want to do is is get back there as quick as possible and kind of redeem yourself and um look it was pretty tough seeing the seeing the boys Run out the um be the doggies that year and um you know I wasn't the only player mate there were a handful yeah. of guys that were that were that weren't playing that day and I'm sure everyone probably thought they could you know wishing you know thought or wish that they were in the side but um yeah mate it was just you know you kind of think selfishly a little bit about yourself oh poor me poor me but at the end of the day mate the game's bigger than than the individual so um yeah that was a bit of a tough pill to swallow seeing your mates uh, not being able to. Um, get the result that they wanted.
0: So by the end of that year, you are settled and comfortable in Sydney. Who are a few of the boys at the Swans who wrapped their arms around you and, and, uh, and, and <laughs> got, got you involved in all the fun at the club?
1: Um, yeah, look, mate, probably um, a few of the guys have, have been, been pretty good. I think the club probably prides themselves on um, on being a pretty united playing group, mate. And I think the funny thing about Sydney is, is that um, majority of the players actually aren't from New South Wales. It's actually only a couple of players that are, you know, that are... Um, like the Kieran Jacks Mills, of the world, Jack, McVay, Mills Heaney. Jack McVeigh, Heaney, you know the the you know the mayors of the town they reckon. <laughs> but I um, oh, to be honest, mate, the um, you know guys like you know uh, Dan Hanbury, uh Dane Rampy, um, Jaden McVay, who um, you know Kieran Jack guys I'm pretty close with. That um, yeah, kind of showed me around Sydney and showed me the hotspots, mate. So <laughs> took me down to Bondi and you know. Got the rig out and had a bit of a laugh down there. So, yeah, it was good. Uh,
0: 2017, you had the opportunity in the ruck and in the forward half and you showed your versatility. And it was against the Saints in round 18 that you made your mark as a genuine forward threat with eight contested marks that time. Eh? It's in the uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's yeah. top 10 of all time that that's uh, that statistic. Did I'm you know aware. That? I'm aware. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and a big bag of 5 and you followed that up with three in the elimination final win against Essendon. Do you prefer the responsibility of shouldering the ruck duties as you did this year or going forward and, and clunking grabs and kicking goals as you did as a junior?
1: Um, I think for a couple of years, mate, I was probably um, stuck between a couple of roles, um, and then that probably can hurt your consistency a little bit. You're you, you're trying to find your feet and and um, and you find your way in one position. So, look, like we've discussed already, naturally, I've probably felt always, you know, comfortable as a forward. But to be honest, mate, I've actually really enjoyed the um, the responsibility of, of of leading the Ruck division this year. I've, you get the opportunity to play big minutes and you're around the contest a lot and you know it's kind of simple the more opportunity and um, time you are around the ball around the contest the closer you are to get a kick so that's kind of um, probably at the moment um, I'd say that I've, I've really enjoyed being the uh, big man in the middle of the ground.
0: Well this year uh, 2018 you've truly established yourself as a star of the competition in that role and Gone to, gone to another level with that sole focus. Having to take that Mandela's first ruck, you know, Kurt Tippett retires, Sam Naismith goes down with the knee at the start of the year, and Sam Reid does his quad early. It's a lot of tall timber um, unavailable. Uh, it's a massive challenge for you. But as you touched on that sole focus, um, not being moved around everywhere, did that really help you keep the mind on the task? It was a big challenge to, to play every game this year most minutes in the ruck, uh, barely having a chop-out from, from anyone. You've got mid sizes coming in and giving you a chop-out for five minutes, but pretty much the whole year you're in the middle.
1: I think so, mate. I could, I could definitely a big ask, but at the same time, it was a responsibility that I was ready for and that I really, really enjoyed. You know, I'm just uh, someone that just likes playing footy and I want to be on the ground for as long as possible. Um, um, you know, keeping in mind that, you know, the guys I was playing against were kind of doing similar minutes. Um, you know, there was that... the the trend this year that you're probably going with one traditional ruck um, bar, probably a couple of teams that, that don't do that, probably like the Eagles and 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 Collingwood, um, but you kind of see that, um, yeah, that the guys I was up against were were doing you know similar efforts. So it was actually just kind of became like a routine. You knew what you were going to expect every week. You knew what time of the game you were going to come off uh, per quarter. So um, it was definitely big minutes, but um, it was quite. Measured and, and you'd prepare for that every week and, and things like that so you could you know go out there and give it your best effort.
0: Uh, and last year you were awarded the uh, Barry Round Best Clubman Award at the Swans, yeah. a great honour. Previously won by a few greats of the club, Reece Shaw, Alex Johnson, among others. Uh, fantastic honour.
1: Yeah, mate, it was. Um, it was something. Um, yeah, I didn't really think that I'd be um, be given that kind of opportunity um, to to be awarded that kind of award, but it's probably just a reflection of kind of how much I I like coming to work every day, to be honest. And I like to, I'm just a guy that probably just enjoys his footy and enjoys being around his teammates and trying to get the best out of himself and, and the boys as well. So, um, I was, it's probably, you know, the fine session that I run monthly probably contributes to the best (laughs) clubman. You know, you got to put together a PowerPoint for the boys of some interesting photos and videos and, and lookalikes and whatnot. So, um, Probably not appropriate to be broadcasting the details of that, <laughs> yeah. but um, that might have contributed to getting the award also. Uh,
0: and, and last week, you were awarded the Dennis Carroll Most Improved Award for 2018 and finished top 10 in the Best and Fairest. A, a great reward for effort for a fantastic year.
1: Yeah, once again, mate, humbled again to be, um, be recognised, um, you know, as a as a most improved player. Um, I think a lot of the boys at any club or any league that you'll probably want to go into the next year being a better player than they were the previous. Um, And, yeah, look, look, a lot of it was self-driven, but I had some pretty good resources around me. Obviously, Dean Cox came to the club. Stevie Johnson from the Giants came over as well. So they would be able to kind of, you know, probably bring me some new energy and and some new ideas to my game that I I felt like were... um, they contributed heavily to me, you know, making a few inroads in my footy. So, yeah, apart from that, that's probably about it.
0: Dean must have been a great source of support this year, especially with Sam Naismith and and Tippett and and Reid all being unavailable, as mentioned before. You would have done a lot of one-on-one work with Dean, I'd imagine, and he's,
1: he's a great mate of yours. Yeah, definitely a great mate. I think when I found out he was coming over from the from the Eagles, I was super excited because um, he's pretty recent out of the game. He's actually played on a lot of the players that. That I'll probably come up against most weeks, um, you know the Goldsands, Gawns, Riders, all those kind of guys. Um, he's actually you know played a fair bit of footy against those guys. So to have someone kind of come to the club and be in your corner to um, to mentor you, um, you know week in week out, and you know he's a pretty handy player yeah. <laughs> as well. So um, he was a big asset for me, but but also the midfield group. Mate. He took real control of of our midfield group this year, and um, yeah, like, you know he's a pretty different player to Josh Kennedy and Luke Parker, but. He was giving them some 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 pretty good advice and some pretty good mentoring also. I mentioned
0: top ten in the best and fairest. Uh, a little bit stiff to not finish a little bit higher than uh, the ninth.
1: Um, no nah, mate, <laughs> I, 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 I think uh, I think I probably finished where I deserved. You know, what are you getting at?
0: Oh well, the True Bloods Player of the Year
1: award had you in a fifth, so we yeah. had you slightly higher. Than... That's all that matters, mate. The True Bloods of the Year <laughs> award. That's kind of all that I've um, I've got my eyes set on, to be honest.
0: You were leading at an early part of the season uh, after the Geelong game down at the Cattery. Uh, where, we're behind, looking in a bit of strife and, and yourself. And, Can I ask you a question? Yes, mate. What is the award? Uh, the,
1: the, the prize? Is it, is it just a mention on Instagram or do, you, or do you have something that, you, that I could potentially take back to... Who, who won it? Uh, Isaac Heaney. Do you, think, it. do you have something I could take back to Isaac or uh, is it just a bit of a, well, a post?
0: I, I, I sent uh, I sent Isaac a, a slid into Isaac's DMs and said, on your mate, you won it. So that that's that's as, that's as far as we've gone for prizes so far, but I'll try and sort something out for him.
1: I think um, it, I think it's it's probably just the to knowing that he has the award itself would let him um, know. would be enough. So that's yeah. his prize. Maybe I might do that. I might I might donate a trophy every year. Oh mate, that'd I might donate way. a trophy and I'll donate it to where I finish. So if I finish 12th, there's a twelfth place trophy.
0: For me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, oh mate, you've lost me there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Sorry, the um the Geelong game, Geelong game. Yeah. I, I was down there at the at the Cattery. I uh, made the trek on the on the V line. Got, I saw a, on uh, the bus. I
1: saw the the video of you post that game, walking around the oval in your spawn <laughs> stuff, abusing Geelong players. And the beauty Geelong, uh, so Geelong supporters. Yeah, i had I had a bit of a.
0: They were fr- off you, weren't they? Oh, I had a bit of a fracas with uh, with one of them. It's the. <laughs> I'll tell the story. We're up, we're up the back of uh, one of the stands in standing room, the, the drinking zone down at Geelong. They're still allowed. That wouldn't be like you. Beers in the outer uh, down at the Cattery, which is <laughs> unlike me indeed. Yeah. uh Beers at the Cattery. Um, not up, not many other grounds you can you can take your beers in, into the outer and they're full strength as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so had a couple and then. Uh, as the Geelong supporters are all exiting the tunnel just behind us, at the back of the stand, there's a there's a big wire fence, and through to that you can see the exit tunnel, and I'm carrying on ranting, raving, going cheer, cheer. Uh, and there's a couple of blokes who aren't, aren't too impressed with how happy I'm about it. And they, uh, I had a few choice words and I said, Oh hey, yeah, tell your story walking pal. Ghost wings. That's game, do do mate, on, mate,
1: going down there and doing that. Yeah, well, <laughs> they're a ferocious bunch down there. Especially they,
0: they didn't take that loss too well. They were pretty, uh, pretty f- filthy that day, but a magnificent win that one. Um, yourself and Josh Kennedy in the middle. Got it done. Almost. Seen, I mean, the forward pack did a bit as well, and there's a bit of help from the back half as well. But your your clunks all around the ground, and your work in the middle, and Joey Kennedy, ready and off your palm, was uh was pretty pivotal to that win.
1: Yeah, mate. It was a, it was a mate, it was a pretty important game for us. That one, to be honest. Like, I think we didn't. I think we were no bud. Yeah, we had no bud that game, and um, uh, we had. A, I think Reed was also kind yep. of struck down with injury as well. So um, we went in with a pretty. Um, Probably a pretty inexperienced forward half. Um, he probably relied a lot on um, Ben Ronkin. Um, his first game? Yeah, his first game. And he's able to I think, go out and kick, kick a couple, kick three or something. that game. started a brawl at three quarters. Yeah, and then <laughs> Robbie Fox obviously popped up in the last quarter as well. So um, we went into that game, I think, you know, we had a pretty ordinary loss the week before the Adelaide. Yep. Um, we had a good win against was the Dogs, maybe? Was yep. a, giant, a giant bit before that. and. Um, and then we had an ordinary loss against Poitolaid, so we were just up and down, and we needed to kind of secure some momentum going forward. And um, there's probably no bigger you know, job to, than it is to go down on a Saturday afternoon to the Cattery and, and take on a pretty good team. And um, I think we, we were, weren't going that well in the second and third quarter that day. And, um, yeah, we all needed to dig a little bit deep and pull something out of the hat to, to secure that win. And it's probably one of the wins that probably stands out for me this year. It was... Um, yeah, really, 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 really awesome. That game you
0: mentioned against the Dogs and the game you mentioned against the Giants, there was a couple of shots after the siren that you uh, put away in, in both of those games. You've been pretty reliable after after the siren on the set shot in 2018. <laughs> has, has it been something that you've been really focusing on? I mean, how, how, do you, how do you practice for after the siren shots? You've been pretty reliable with those this year. Oh,
1: just repetition, man. I think Stevie Johnson coming to the club has put a massive emphasis on on practising um in front of goal. Um, you know, even but to be honest, even, you know, he's put a big emphasis on practising things from the boundary and your snaps over your head and things like that. But um I think probably having him at the club he's had a real focus on the boys taking the goal kicking pretty seriously. Um Yeah, and I guess probably mate just Alan Sinclair um, advice: keep your head over it and kick through the ball and uh, pick out pick out something from behind the goals there, son. So, yeah, something like that, mate. But um, but mate, they haven't been too tough. They've been about twenty out directly in front, to be honest. And it was
0: another couple of games that you performed really well later in the year. The the Carlton game, uh, there was a little bit of aggro in that game, a little bit of spite between yourself and the and the Blue Boys.
1: Oh yeah, mate. I um, you know I think I. Got fined that day for for having a dive, and so you know when you when you do something silly like that and dive, you probably deserve a bit of negative attention from the other side. So, um, but mate, anyway, it was um. I defended
0: you in the in the follow up podcast. I thought the contact was 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 there was there well if
1: we, if you want to go by the actual rules of the game, you actually can 't come into the protected zone, so it actually should have been a 50-meter penalty yep um, but you know I think my my acting skills probably <laughs> took took the attention off the rules and which is probably justified to be honest, but um, no it was a bit about growing that game, I think, like I said before, was, you know we were a little bit up and down, a little bit stop start about time of the year, and we needed to kind of keep that momentum going forward and um yeah, I think we um gave Matty
0: Cruiser a bit of a bath though.
1: Um <laughs> I don't wanna bloody uh make it all that me, mate, but uh, we had a um yeah, we we, we had a really good win. We yeah, had a really good win. And yeah. um to be honest, Carlton do trouble us a little bit to be honest and um the trouble us last couple of years.
0: And then there was a difficult patch towards the, the back end of the season where str- struggling for form and uh lost the Gold Coast, had a loss to Essendon. But then Alex Johnson returned and that seemed to spark up the boys again, and we're able to get onto a bit of a roll and jump into the final series.
1: Yeah, mate, it was a um, yeah. We just lost our way, didn't we, for for for, for, a, for a few weeks there, and we had the Gold Coast and and, and the Essendon games, which were um, not taking away anything from those clubs, mate. They clearly um, played a lot better footy and um, than us, but we, um, you know, when when. When you're a Swans player and, and you're fighting for top four and you know how equal the competition is, you, you need to bank those games and you know bank you, you know, bank wins whenever you can get them. And unfortunately, we just lost our way, we weren't playing the footy that was required, and um, it was a pretty pretty tough few weeks. But um, and then obviously it was really exciting to bring Alex back into the side after having such a big time off and. Probably having his energy and, and spirit out there, probably, you know, go over the line for a few weeks. Well, just on him,
0: uh, going into next year, Alex, Dan Hannabury, and Gary Rowan all moving on from the club, club possibly others. Uh, those three guys have been legends for the Swans over, over a long period of time. What would you say is some of the characteristics that make them the great guys and the great players that they are?
1: Oh, they're pretty hard players, to be honest. Very courageous footballers. Um, you know, you look at, you know, you start with probably Gary. Um, to be able to come back from from that injury that he had um, a few years ago, I don't think many players could do that. So that shows kind of the the resilience and, you know, and even to get back and retain that, that top-end speed that he had. Um, there wouldn't be many players that had that injury and be able to, you know, have the the same speed and explosive power that, that he still has. So, um, you know, a lot of courage and, and uh, resilience from him. Hannah's is just probably, you know, how many times as a... You can probably tell me, mate, you've watched the Swans a lot longer than I have, but you've seen him just put his head over it flat out and win a lot of inside footy it's probably one of the hardest two-way runners you've you've seen. And then, you know, the obvious ones, you know, with Alex as well, mate, who, um, you know, you, you don't wish upon... You don't wish his journey upon anyone, to be honest. But um, you know, I think the club and anyone associated with Alex has probably learnt a great deal about resilience and um, never giving up. And and uh, to see him come in and, and and make his way back into the side um, was it was incredible. Um, one of the best weeks the club's ever been part of. But then, yeah, mate, it was pretty. The opposite happened the following week, and the the group was pretty devastated. Yeah,
0: I, I was there at the at the G that day. I saw you afterwards. Yep. It's strange feeling in the rooms because it, it was a fantastic win, one of the best wins of the year. Um, but uh, all thoughts were with were with Alex after injuring his good knee.
1: Yeah, well, you saw them play the week before, and and he, terrific. He, he he just felt Laysan. like he he hadn't missed a beat, um, yep. which is a testament to him and how he went about his rehab and how determined he was. And you kind of felt like this could be like a a, a fresh start for him and kicking off his um. His career again, um, but you know, look. Unfortunately for what happened next week, it wasn't to be.
0: Three great wins across that period: the Collingwood game, the Melbourne game, the GWS game. And then we go into the Hawthorne game, win that, and we make top four. Lose that, and we miss out. Do you think it's that last eight minutes where that game we had the opportunity to get into the top four couldn't couldn't quite do it? Do you think maybe there was a bit of a mental letdown after that game, knowing that you don't have the double chance, you've got to play a knockout elimination final against the GWS? Had we got through to the the qualifying final instead of the elimination final, do you think that may have... The adjustment mentally might have made a bit of a difference?
1: Top four would have been good, mate, to be honest. Um, Look, we were playing pretty good footy that day against Hawthorne. I don't think we were playing... um, uh, bad footy. I thought everyone out there had a had a fairing income crack that day to try and um, try and get the job done. But look, it was just frustrating because um, it would have been great to you know have a crack at um, the best team of the comp at the time um, on a Friday night. And, and you know, there's always that peace of mind of um, of a second chance. And you know, and, but look, it wasn't to be. You know how even the competition is, and you've got to turn up on your day or. And if you don't, you're going to get found out pretty quick. And unfortunately, that happened to us, mate. And um, yeah, we found our way out of it, out of the final series pretty quick. Yeah, yeah.
0: Un- unfortunate to go down like that against JWS. But looking looking to next year, Naismith's going to be back. Do you think you'll get a chance to go forward again, or do you think it'll be a shared? Ruck combination? Uh, have you got any idea yet, or has that not been talked about?
1: No, not quite, mate. I'm not too sure, kind of um, how that'll um, how that will be handled. But um, look, you probably saw the the two grand finalists um, kind of go in with that kind of shared forward role, and and you know a ruckman being able to go forward and impact. So, look, that's part of the part of the caper these days. I think you know you've got to be pretty flexible. In your game, so yeah, it might be a week by week thing, mate. I might play a bit forward, you know, some weeks, or I might be in the middle of the ground a bit more, or mate, who knows? Just in, get, just looking forward to the uh, the coffees in the off season and a couple of the beers.
0: The off season, any any big plans for it? You've got uh, a any, going anywhere
1: or mate heading overseas next week? I'm to Europe for a couple of weeks, which would be nice. Nice. And then, just, um, yeah, never been. been going to go check it out before. And, um, yeah, i actually got to find a, a gym and a treadmill uh, to go for a run. So, um, but, you know, like doing that. And, yeah, man, b- before you know it, mate, we'll be back in a pre-season, you know, in um, probably six to eight weeks. And, yeah, it would be good to actually see the boys after um, after a break. What's the first uh, destination on your on your hit list over in Europe? Off to uh, Paris, mate, uh, flying into Paris. Beautiful. And, uh, yeah, going to... Give it a give it a look, mate, and um, yeah, go around the Eiffel Tower and yeah, City of Love, mate. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what are your plans, mate? You just be podcasting? Oh,
0: mate, yeah, a, a few True Bloods exclusives, hopefully, over the off season,
1: mate. What's your um? Can I, am I allowed to keep talking? Or yeah, no, go yeah, for yeah. it. Man. What's your kind of um? What's your take on the Swans, mate? You know, you're you're, you're, you're you've watched a fair bit of footy, mate, and you you're a you're definitely a true blood. Uh, you'd be the founder um, if there was a blood, the blood culture had a founder. I think it'd be you, mate. Where do you think we sit?
0: It's an interesting one going into next year. There's a lot of changeover in the list. Hannah's and Rowan and AJ already moved on. Not sure who else is going to be moved on. So it's going to be interesting to see who we can acquire during this, this trade period. But I think with a fully fit list, I think we're just as good a chance as anyone going into next year. The, uh, get Sam Reid back, you get Naismith Smith back, Callum Mills back. The pretty important players. You see how important it is having a fit list coming into finals. Richmond have their first injury for 2 years, Dusty Martin hampered during the prelim and then they don't make it. So having a fully fit list, I think is one of the more important things these days and um could have really changed our fortunes had Sam Reid been available for more of the year. And uh, what have your
1: highlights been of uh of your Swans? Of your Swans career? Oh, 2005 was
0: was pretty epic.
1: Um, you featured um, on one of the montages of oh, the AFL? That was 12. That was 12. That oh, was 12. So, so, and maybe you could talk to us about the leather jacket you were wearing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Interesting fashion statement back then. Or was it quite? It was a little bit. It was a little bit. It was between a a bomber jacket. If those of you that haven't seen it, it was was in between a bomber jacket and a trench coat. It was an awkward kind of length. I never forget seeing this. So, uh, maybe discuss to the True Blood fans about your uh, jacket choice.
0: The wind was quite swirly that day, (laughs) um, and I'd camped overnight to get that front row seat. So it was it was quite chilly out out at the G the night before. You camped overnight. Yeah. Yeah. Really. in front row. I wanted to. I wanted to see Mal snap from uh, from as close as possible. So far out. Uh, yeah, camped overnight with the old girl, mum. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was pretty chilly. So yeah, that's, okay. that's why I went with that uh, that number. But yeah, not one that I've worn too regularly since. Did you still have the jacket. Yeah, I've still got it. It's, still it's at home. It Doesn't get a run often. But. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh god, I'll have, we'll have to find that and put it on put it on your Instagram page. I think yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll look for it when I get home. No worries. What about you, mate? You making any fashion statements over this off-season? You got any... <laughs> mate, I, I'm, uh, I'm very straight and narrow, very, very straight and narrow, mate. You see the, the Will Haywards of the world come into the footy club with these uh, tight tracksuit suit pants and, you know, um, the, 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 the new trend now, you know, that I've seen is uh, from the Will Haywards of the world is they get their socks and they tuck them into their tracksuit suit pants. <laughs> I'm, I'm not joking. Really? Is, I'm not joking. This is apparently the new trend that's coming in and... Um, said, mate, it looks like a bloody Uber Eats driver uh, <laughs> or a bike, Uber Eats bike rider. So that's the new trend coming in and, and op-shopping. So the matlings of the world of, uh, are going around op-shopping their clothes and um, dressing like a bum.
0: Of the uh, of the young players, who, who's the uh, most active on the chirp, uh,
1: you would say, at training? Or Papley. Like, Papley. Papley, as <laughs> I would assume. Yeah, Papley's always good on the chirp and uh, definitely a, a lively character and brings a lot of energy to the group. So uh, Papley's Pretty out there. Uh, Will Haywood's obviously quite good, and the rise of Ben Ronk from a from a quiet rookie-listed player in <laughs> 2017 to the the superstar, the fade. Yeah, the fade is <laughs> um, the rise of him has been pretty uh, pretty hilarious. So he's definitely one that um, yeah doesn't mind the chirp either.
0: So earlier this year, Callum Mills um, broke his foot throwing a. Gridiron ball around out the front of the SCG last year. Dane Rampy uh, tripped over a chain and broke his arm. Um, can you tell the boys to, to settle down when they're walking around the SCG? There's
1: yeah, yeah, I think so, mate. With um, the SCG Trust have been laying out some Vietnamese tripwire, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's uh, yeah. Look, mate, it hasn't been ideal having those two guys miss a little bit of footy over the last uh, last couple of years, but. Um, yeah, who would have... Uh, Millsy kind of frustrated me a bit because he always calls me the baby giraffe for falling over. And I said to him, you can never, ever have a go at me ever again because I've never fallen over going for a coffee. And my, my, my season... You know, his season ended from ordering a strong latte. Um, so, uh, yeah, and, and Rampy's the, um, the other one as well. So, um, yeah, that was a bit of a... Wasn't a good place to be around, mate, that day.
0: And who who walks around in uh, around a Bondi when the boys walk in a big pack? Who's... Who's the Who's the big alpha? I imagine Bud would be at the front of the pack, but is, are there any others that uh, like to like I, to flaunt it? I
1: think uh, you know I'm close with the Ramps, and I think he'd be would be a bit disappointed if I didn't say that <laughs> Rampy is the he thinks he's probably the king of Bondi. Um, you know, he, he dresses the part, no shoes when he goes around there. You know, very vintage kind of look about him, and um, and he surfs, so he's got the full kind of Bondi package, and I, I think he probably. Would take out the um, yeah if the Bondi boy if, if there's a Bondi boy kind of picture in the in the dictionary I think yeah, he's he's your man. Uh,
0: as Melburnians we're we're coffee snobs a little bit. Where's mm-hmm. the, where's the best uh, place up in Sydney to go get a brew? Because I've I've been up there a couple of times and uh, I'm a harsh critic on on, on the lattes. So I've, I've looked around and
1: well mate it's certainly. Um, it, you won't get a coffee like we just had in Brunswick, mate. <laughs> um, when uh, you know, the market up here is extremely competitive in Melbourne for a coffee. So mate, in uh, in Sydney I would recommend Morris Cafe in Paddington has a great coffee, Jackie's in Paddington, a couple of places in Bondi, Lockstock Barrel, um Lockstock and Barrel, sorry. But you'll find the boys in there a, um, a fair bit. So um, look the only issue is you've just gotta take out a take out a mortgage to, to get one. Um, that's the only problem. Um, other than that, mate, I think you should be fine.
0: Lock, stock and barrel. I'll make sure I'll get down there next time I'm up in Sydney. Cal Sinclair, mate. Thank you so much for coming into the Podular Media studio. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here and having a chat to you for an hour about all things, your football career and all things life. And mate, it's great to see you.
1: Thanks, mate. And, um, look, it's, uh, it was a very uh, (laughs) self-indulgent podcast all about me, but I, I, um, yeah, mate, thanks for having me on board. And, uh, Look forward to listening.
0: Yeah, mate. I just wanted to go through everything just for the people that might not know that the True Bloods faithful will appreciate all your insight and, and hearing all your stories.
1: No, all good, mate, and uh, keep it up. <laughs> Cheers, mate.
0: This has been True Bloods. My name is Tommy Flanagan. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Wooshka, and iTunes. Make sure you do that. And until next time, my name's Tommy Flanagan. Up the Swannies. This has been a Podular Media production.